Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. Jesus has a habit of doing things that other people say are impossible. There's a saying in this life, two things are certain, death and taxes. Well, it's funny because Jesus overcame both of them. He went into the grave, he stole the keys of death, he conquered it, defeated it, came back up to life and said, join me in this eternal life. There was also a, a time in the Bible when, when some religious leaders were, were asking his disciples, hey, do you pay your taxes? And, and Jesus said, let's, let's permit it to be. You know, so he's told Peter to go fishing. And he caught a, caught a fish and found a coin in the fish's mouth and paid the taxes for him and for Jesus. Two things in this life are certain. The world says death and taxes. What is the world saying is certain in your life? What is, what, what is the world saying is impossible in your life? Nothing is impossible with God. Come on, whatever the world says is impossible, that's where God likes to show up just to prove them wrong. How do you need God to prove something wrong in your life today? Come on, what is that mountain of impossibility that you're facing? What's the thing that somebody else said, this is certain it's going to happen? And you're saying, I don't know, I don't know. There's a spirit inside of me that says the impossible that is about to happen. Come on, if you need something impossible to happen, lift up your hand right now. Come on, define, redefine certainty in your life. Lean on God, not on your own understanding. What do you, where do you need him to move? Maybe somebody says, you'll never be good enough. You'll never amount to enough. You don't have what it takes. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're not fast enough. Come on, let's prove them wrong today with God. Thank you, Jesus, for the impossible things that happen every day in a life with you. We thank you that we live our life in accordance with your will, with your grace, with your love. We lean now on not our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge you. God, we thank you for the impossible that's happening right now. Miracles in motion. Faith being risen up right now, resurrected. Come on, come on. Your faith is not dead. It's alive. Your faith is alive. God has given it to you. He's never going to take it away from you. So don't let the enemy steal it. The enemy has no right to touch your faith. Your faith is a God-given gift. You've got to keep it. You've got to lean on it. You've got to trust in it. God, we thank you for that faith rising up in Jesus' name. God, I thank you to move mountains right now. We speak to those mountains of doubt. We speak to those mountains of debt. We speak to those mountains of disease. We cancel them right now in Jesus' name. They have no power over us anymore. Come on, there's somebody in here today. You're, you're facing, you're facing a, a tax bill. You're facing an impossible tax bill. Come on, there's somebody in here today and, and, uh, and you, there's a situation that's going on with your taxes and you don't know how it's going to work out, but you need God to move right now. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? Come on, who is that one? Somebody needs that right now. God bless you. I thank you right now. Pouring out more than one person. Come on, if you need that financial breakthrough, something about your taxes, God, I thank you for pouring out restoration. God, e even, even the simple act of going fishing, do what you've been called to do. That's the word for you today. If you're facing that situation, Jesus already, already proved that he can overcome those situations. Do what you've been called to do. It's in, it's in the act of doing. 
what you've been called to do, that you're going to find the answer. You're going to find the breakthrough. You're going to find the provision. You're going to find the blessing. Do what you've been called to do, but do it at the word of God. When the word of God sends you out to do something, it will not return void. It will accomplish every purpose, every purpose that he intended it for. Not what the world intended it for, not even what we think it was intended for, what he intended it for. It may be something as innocuous, as simple as going fishing. Do the thing that God has called you to do. The answer is in the fish's mouth. The answer is right there. God, I thank you for the answer. I thank you for the blessing. I thank you for the breakthrough, the overflow in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody give God some praise this morning. We got a fantastic praise team. There's a, there's a whole lot of passion around the EG this morning. This mighty man, Kevin Elliott Jr., senior, is sitting right there. So good to have you with the team. He was serving at... at Several of other other locations, but so good to have you here at Awaken El Cajon. <laughs> Kevin, I just I just hear the um, there's there's times when we walk around a problem. There's times when we walk around a situation, and maybe the first time around we don't get the answer that we're looking for. The uh, the the nation of Israel they had to they had to walk around a city. Not just once, not just twice, 13 times. Some, some of you thought I was going to say seven. It was actually 13. They walked around it one time for six days, and on the seventh day, they walked around it seven times. So sometimes you have to circle a problem 13 times. You don't need to circle this problem 13 times. This situation, the, the thing that you is already under your feet, it's already overcome, it's already finished. Sometimes we do have to circle things again, but God is just showing me that, that the, the, the time of circling is over. The victory is here. The shout is here. God, I thank you for the victory. I thank you for the shout. I thank you for the walls coming down. I thank you for the blessing, the overflow, that it doesn't take 13 times when we shout with you. It doesn't take 13 times when we move the Holy Spirit. Once with you is enough. God, I thank you. I thank you for the victory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, worship team. You guys can take a break. Have you back in a minute. Thank you all. Grab a seat. Give somebody some love on your way down. Four days away, ladies. Excited for you. All the cherished ladies. It's going to be a powerful time. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm honest, which I should be, it's in the Bible. It's one of the commandments. I'm even, I'm even more excited for, for the city of San Diego. Because I know that when you get 2,000 women filled with the Holy Spirit, coming together in faith, standing up believing, there, there's no way that our households aren't changed. There's no way that our schools aren't changed. There's no way that our businesses aren't changed. There's no way that this city is not changed. When all of these amazing women come together, believe in faith, get fueled up, get equipped, get set on fire with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, San Diego is never going to be the same. 
It's going to be so good. But, and I know some of you are, are thinking about sneaking away early on Wednesday night. But I want to let you know that we have a powerhouse woman of God. Pastor Stacy Capaldi is going to be here Wednesday night. So come up here, get fueled up. And it's really the kickstart of Cherish. Cherish starts right here on Wednesday night. I'm sorry about all the other campuses, but it's going to start here. I don't think Pastor Leanne's preaching anywhere Wednesday night, is she? Okay, good. <laughs> Dodged a bullet. Lisa's excited. She's been training. She's been training for that 5K. Come on, who else is going to walk, run, jog, slog, whatever that is. I know, slog the 5K. I didn't even know that was a thing. But uh, Pastor Lisa's been training for it. This week she ran two times. The only two times that she's run in the last two months probably. But, but she's training. Hey, it doesn't matter. Hey, if you got a test coming up tomorrow, cram for that thing, you know. Like something's got to sink in. better not to wait till the end. Somebody should have told the Padres more than two weeks ago to start winning. Maybe they would have been in the postseason, just barely missed it. They still got a chance to be above 500. Come on, they're above 500 by one game right now. Come on, Padres, today you can do it. Winning record, winning record. Let's get it done. Doesn't really have anything to do with my message, but... Um, well, kind of, sort of does. All right, Matthew, Matthew 7, 13, my first scripture, says, enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate to the postseason, and narrow the road that lies to the World Cup trophy, and only few find it. So you could subtitle this message, How to Make It to the Postseason of Life. Come on, who wants to make it to the postseason of life? Come on. Come on. Hey, if you're right at the end, you know, Cram, get in there, whatever you got to do. It's better to start a little bit earlier, but, um, but whatever you got to do to make it in. How do you make it in? Very simple. You got to wake up. Come on, you got to be awakened, somebody. Who's awakened this morning? Anybody here awakened? I hope so. You're in the right place if you are. Awaken church. That, that is our mission, to, to wake people up to the, the goodness of God, to wake people up to the calling that God has for each one of us in our life. Narrow is the gate. Narrow is the gate, narrow is the road that leads to life, but we need to find it. But broad is the way, broad is the road that leads to death. There's a quote from C.S. Lewis that I want to put up on the screen. We actually share this in our Hero the Rock musical as well. It says, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. It's so true the, uh, the road to hell is, is not a difficult one to travel. It's actually very simple. It's, it's got a little bit of a downward slope. There's not these crazy turns all over the place. There are, there are pitfalls, but, but as we walk along this road, and we'll find that, that the pitfalls are actually there to help us. The pitfalls can actually wake us up. The pitfalls can actually make us realize that this gentle slope that we're on, this easy path, may not be the best path for our life. Broad is the way, easy is the path that leads to destruction. So we have to, we have to find that narrow gate and we have to choose to walk along that narrow path. But it's not just for salvation. We know that Jesus is the gate. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And nobody comes to the Father unless you enter through that narrow gate. Unless you find, find that, that, that detour, unless you find that path off of Broadway. The title of this message is Detour off of Broadway, detour off 
Broadway. When we, when we first encounter Jesus, there's this, this joy that comes over our life. You know, many of us have experienced this, this elation where we, we knew that we were lost and now we're found. And we get into this honeymoon season with God where we're so excited to, to be with him. And, and everything is, is sunshine and roses at the beginning. But then, but then life progresses. And then for some reason, it, it's just not always that sense of elation. It's not always that sense of a joy. We have, to, we have to slog through life a little bit sometimes. Anybody ever been in a place where you feel like in your, you're in a rut? You feel like you've just been trying and trying and, and working and working and, and you feel a little bit worn down. You feel a little bit heavy laden. Well, this message is, is especially for you. Because the detour off Broadway is not just for the beginning of life. It's not, not just for the end of life when, when you can sense the, the end is coming and, and you know that you've got to change something. You know that you've got to do something different. It's not just for that time when, when okay, uh, shoot, I better start winning if we're going to make it to the postseason. You know? it's, not, it's not just for that time. It's actually for the middle seasons of life as well. It is for the beginning. It is for the end. But we, we find that, that in the middle seasons of life, in those long stretches, when we're on long road trips or, or playing, playing our heart out you know, for over and over and again, and maybe we're not seeing all of the breakthrough, maybe we're not seeing all of the victories right away. But it's in those seasons, it's in the hard, dull seasons that we can actually find our biggest gains. We can achieve the most, even if it doesn't come to us right away. The wins that you get in the middle season of life will serve you well as you get to the end. It'll make it so much easier when you get to the end of that season or the end of your life. We have to make the choices, the hard choices, that will make the biggest impact, the biggest difference in our life. It's not by accident, it's not by coincidence that God chose to plant this house, his house, right along Broadway Street. He put, he put a place of hope, a beacon of hope, right along the broad path. Many, many are following that path, heading towards destruction. But God said, I'm going to put my house, I'm going to put this lighthouse, I'm going to put this source of hope and truth right alongside it. God always puts an avenue for each and every one of us right along our Broadway, right along our path, so we can always have that detour option. And not just that, but God chose in his infinite wisdom to put this house, his house, at the corner of Broadway and 2nd Street. Who knows we all need second chances. Every single one of us needs an opportunity to, to have that second chance, to receive that second chance. And maybe not just one time, maybe two, three, five, ten, a hundred times we need that second chance. This church, his church, will always be a place of second chances. It's always a place where if we make mistakes, his grace is sufficient. Where we can come back to him seven times, seventy times we can come back. If we repent of our sins and he's ready to receive us in again. Because we all find ourselves back on that broad, that easy path. The path that maybe we don't realize it, but it's leading in a place or to a place where we don't want to go. We've got to be a church. We've got to be a people that can stop and detour off that path. How do we do that? So glad you asked. My first piece of advice for us today, when we want to detour off the broad way, is to choose the hard way. Choose the hard way. There's, there's five choices that I want to go through this morning. Five choices as we walk through life. We'll find there's an easy way and there's a hard way. But I want to present the case to you and you can make the decision which is better, the easy way or the hard way. 
Colonel Oliver North said this, an easy life is rarely meaningful and a meaningful life is rarely easy. The first choice that we need to make today is we need to choose grace over judgment. The hard choice of grace over judgment. A real life example that just happened yesterday, and uh, if there's any police officers in the room, just earmuffs for a second, you don't need to hear this. I was driving, driving uh, up the 125 with my son Grady, sitting over there. I was, hello Grady, hello Grandpa Jim. Gramps is here, Lisa's dad is here. I wanna honor him for a second. Whenever, whenever Gramps is about to leave, Grady clings to him like white on rice. Like he will not, not let him go. He doesn't like it when Grandpa leaves. But uh, there's, we were driving, Grady and I were driving up the freeway and, uh, and we turned on some worship music and we were jamming out to worship music. And I kind of already have a heavy foot anyway, but you know, when I put on some wor worship music, you gotta lose yourself in the music, in the moment. You gotta, not that worship music, different worship music. But, but I started going a little faster maybe than, than I normally would. And, and my Holy Spirit guide, Pastor Lisa, wasn't there in the car with me to correct me. And, uh, and sure enough, I, I see over on the side, hiding behind a, a guardrail, a police cruiser. And you get that feeling where your heart just like jumps in your stomach. And like, I don't know how that works because your heart's here, your stomach's there. But somehow it works and, and, and you're, you just hold your breath for a second. And you're like, oh, sugar beans. That's what she would say. <laughs> I might have just got a ticket. And so then you're like staring at them and you're like looking in the rearview mirror and like waiting for those lights to, to come on. And thank you, Jesus, the lights didn't come on. So it was either one of two things happened. One of two things happened. Either one, when you turn on worship music in your car, you're invisible to radar, which, I mean, it's possible. I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise you to try that out, but I'm just saying it could be the case. Or more likely than not, the second option is that I was operating in the grace zone, the grace zone. Now, this is probably a whole message in and of itself, but just kind of in a nutshell to quote Elisa Flores. What a great tithe message, Elisa Flores. Fantastic. The grace zone has boundaries. You can't just go sinning and doing whatever you want and, and expect to operate in the grace zone. Romans 6, 1-2 says this, Well, then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? So we can't just do whatever we want. I can't just speed for the sake of speeding and expect to say, ticket free. God puts his, his rules, his boundaries in place to protect us, to guide us. But there's also an entrance fee into the grace zone. So I'm going to give you guys a test. I, I tested the 9 a.m. And, and not too many of them passed first go. So, so who wants to know what the entrance fee is to the grace zone? Raise your hand. All right, pretty good. Okay, now keep your hand up if you're willing to pay the price to get into the grace zone. Before you know what it is. All right, better. You guys are doing better. Good job, good job. Maybe some of the 9 a.m. told you about the test. Maybe not. That's all right. That's all right. Cram. Cram if you need to. Whatever you got to do. The entrance fee to the grace zone is hard. Luke 6, 37. Do not judge others, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others, or it will all come back against you. Forgive others, and you will be forgiven. If you want to live in the grace zone, then you got to extend grace to other people. If you want to live a judgment-free life, then you can't be going around judging other people. 
You have to choose the hard path. You have to choose the path of grace. You have to extend grace so that you can be open to receive grace. I, uh, I love coaching, coaching my boys on the soccer field. And, and uh, when I'm coaching and, and they have a game and maybe a referee makes a questionable call and, and my flesh wants to, wants to correct it. My flesh wants to set them right, tell them how to do their job. But then I remember I'm also a referee. And so if I don't want people yelling at me, correcting me, judging me, then I need to default to grace for them too. I need to tell my, my flesh, hey, you shut up, you get back there. I don't need you right now. I'll tell you when I need you. You stay there for now. And I have to extend grace to other people so that I can open myself up to receive grace. If we wanna live in the grace zone, we have to extend grace to other people. The second choice, the second hard choice that we need to make this is difficult. You have to choose humility over pride. Choose humility over pride. You can choose to humble yourself or you can choose to be humbled. There's no third option. Let me say it again. You can choose to humble yourself or you can choose to be humbled. Those are your choices. Pride comes before the fall. And I, I've learned that lesson the hard way. Pastor Lisa loves this story. Not really, but... About nine years ago, I was, I was looking to invest some money for my 401k, and I, I had this, this feeling about this certain electric vehicle company that I thought could, could potentially do really well. And, uh, and so I was thinking about it, and I was praying about it. I said, God, I, you know, I have this idea. I have this thought. Will you, will you confirm it for me? And so actually through a series of confirmations, I, I got the word to invest in this company. And, uh, and at the time, Tesla Motors was, was kind of, up and down, it was, even Elon Musk said that, ah, you know, this is a, an experiment, it might succeed, it might not, and, um, but I made the decision on the confirmation from God to, to invest in it, and I bought into Tesla when it was about $20 a share. Before the splits, too, yeah. And, uh, and don't clap just yet. It was, it was up and down for a while, and I started to think, well, you know, if I, can, can, I can actually make more money if I, if I sell when it goes up to a high and then just buy back down, buy back in when it gets down to a low. And so I was doing that for a while, and I wound up doubling my money. And I started to, to think in my heart, I never really said this to anybody, I started to think in my heart, you know, wow, I am doing so well. This investment that I made is doing so well, it's being lucrative. And, uh, and we were about to, to go on vacation, and it, ended, it just jumped up to like $40 a share. And so I thought, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull my money out because it's probably going to go back down now. We went on vacation for a week, and I didn't look at it all. I was just confident I'd be able to buy back in. When I came back from vacation, it had doubled again to $80 a share. It went from $40 to $80. And, and then I'm just thinking, without asking God, um, well, you know, all right, that was a good run. You know, that's, that's as high as it's going to go, right? $80 a share. I think at its top, it was what, like $200 a share after the splits? M maybe more than that. Oh, no, it was like $800 a share. But, um, but I was out. I was out of that game. And, and without asking God, without seeking God, I made the decision, well, I did it once, so I can do it again. And you guys can probably guess where this story is going. So I, I, without asking God, without getting the confirmation, I bought into a couple of companies. One of those companies went completely bankrupt, and the other one lost 90% of its value. So all that investment all I, I had made, all the, the gains that I had were lost. But you know what? It was a blessing. 
It was a blessing, and I'll tell you why. If that, if that correction hadn't happened, and I fully believe it was a correction from God, it was the mercy of God that this happened. If that hadn't happened, I shudder to think at where I would be. How big would my ego be if I hadn't had that correction from God? How big of a pit would I have eventually fallen into? You can choose to humble yourself or you can choose to be humbled. How big would it have gotten nine years later if I continued just winning and winning and winning and, and, and believing that it was, it was my ability or somehow my intellect or, or, or my decisions that got me into the position that I was instead of his decisions? Bernie Madoff swindled and won $20 billion taking advantage of people in a Ponzi scheme. But then he lost it all, was sentenced to 150 years in prison and died in prison. Would I be in that position? It's a grace when God corrects you. The Bible says that, that God loves those whom he corrects, and he corrects those whom he loves. The longer you wait to make the hard choices, the harder the consequences become. There's so many exits off of Broadway there's so many detours. We can take so many off ramps. God positions so many people, so many opportunities for us to, to get off that path to destruction. But when, we, when we're on it, we just keep going faster and faster and faster. And, and sometimes we, we even run through red lights. God puts up those red lights in our lives to help us remember that we need to stop. Think about where we're at. Maybe he, he puts somebody in front of you. Why is this guy going so slow? What's wrong with him? And then we do everything we can to get around him. Maybe God put that slow person in your path to help you slow down, to help you avoid a potential accident or a pitfall that might be coming your way. Why do we keep, why do we keep disregarding the wisdom of heaven just for the sake of, of getting to that destination faster? We need to remember that God has put these things in our place. The world, the world loves to celebrate pride. They, they take a whole month doing it. The devil has convinced them that that's a good idea to celebrate pride and celebrate free living and doing whatever you want to do. But God has asked us to choose the hard path, the path of humility. Philippians 2, 3 to 4 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for your own interests, but take interests in others too. I have a philosophy in life that every person that I meet, I can learn something from them. There's something that I can learn from every person that I interact with, every person that I encounter. Do we have that mentality? Do we have that philosophy that we can learn from other people? Are we, are we always the ones who are wanting to share our ideas, our thoughts, our interests? We need to take an interest in other people too. And if you want to stay, take a step up in leadership, then you need to take a, a break from developing yourself, for a moment at least, and work on developing somebody else. Now, now every leader... Pastor Lisa and I, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, we're all on a constant journey of developing our walk, bettering ourselves, learning more about God, learning more about his ways. But if we wanna take a step up in leadership, if any of you wanna take a step up in leadership, then you need to spend some of that time developing other people, helping other people, looking after their interests before your own interests. You need to take the path of humility, just like Jesus. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. If we humble ourselves before God, then we don't have to worry about lifting ourselves up. We don't have to worry about, about getting accolades or anything. That He will lift us up 
in honor. And it, who knows, it's much better to be lifted up in honor by God than lifting ourselves up. Come on. We have to trust him. We have to trust his way is better for us. And that, that leads us to the next choice that we have to make. The next hard choice of faith over fear. Faith over fear. And this is, this is a choice that you may have to make every single day. Whenever you encounter a trial, a problem in your life, you may have to, to choose the hard choice of faith. You see, it's so easy. It's so easy to default to fear. It happens all the time. Whenever a problem comes, what's the first thing that we think of? The worst thing that could happen. We, de we default to the worst thing. We default to, to all of the what ifs. We default to this could happen and this could happen and this could happen. What if we choose to, to flip that and default to the best thing? Come on, what if we choose to default to believe that God has good intentions for us? That even though we're walking through this valley of the shadow of death, he is with us. We don't walk by fear, we walk by faith. Faith in what? Faith in him. You see, fear is an emotion and it's not always bad. Sometimes fear will, will, will kind of alert us to a problem. Fear will, fear will alert us to, to something that we need to change in our life. But how you process that emotion of fear depends on the outcome that you'll receive. If you process it in a positive way, you'll have a good outcome. If you process it in a negative way, you're going to have a bad outcome. 2 Timothy 1.5, Peter is, is or excuse me, Paul is talking uh, to Timothy in this letter. I remember your genuine faith. 2 Timothy 1, 5 to 7. For you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. That faith that God has put on the inside of you is like an ember. It's like an ember. We have to, to fan into flames that ember of faith inside of us. There, there's times like at Pentecost when, when the faith comes on you like a fire. The Holy Spirit will hit you. And it's just, it's so easy to have faith. It's so easy to speak to that mountain in that moment. But can you, in, in the dull seasons of life, can you, in the long stretches of life, continue to fan that, that ember of faith that's inside of you? It's always there. It's always lit up. As soon as you receive the Holy Spirit, it never goes away. The Spirit of Christ is living in you. From the moment that you receive Jesus Christ, you have access to that fire. You have access to faith. But sometimes we have to fan it into flames. Sometimes we have to stir ourselves up. How do we do that? It's easy. Don't choose fear. Don't choose fear. Easy in concept, hard in principle. We have to choose the hard path, the hard path of faith. The next choice that we have to make is a challenging one, specifically for some of us gentlemen. We have to choose understanding over anger. Understanding over anger. Now, understanding is, is different from wisdom. Wisdom can be a difficult thing. Wisdom can be very rigid at times. Wisdom can actually lead to anger. When we have wisdom, we know what's right. We know the truth. We, we know this is good and this is bad. When we exercise wisdom, we can see clearly what's a right decision, what's a wrong decision. But the problem is, is that when we have wisdom, when we exercise wisdom, but then the situation doesn't go the right way, then we can default to anger. Why is this going wrong? Why is this happening? I know the right thing. Why is the wrong thing happening? 
Do we have any parents in the room? Come on, come on. How many times have I told you not to put your clothes in the middle of the floor? How I, this, you know the right thing. Why are you doing the wrong thing? How easy is it to default to anger in those situations? How easy it is to fly off the handle when over and 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 over, and over again, we feel like we've, we've presented the right thing, but then the wrong thing happens. Wisdom is black and white. Understanding is gray. Understanding forces us to think about something from a place other than our default position. Even if our default position is right, understanding is look at something, looking at something from a different point of view. Proverbs 4, 7 says, wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all you're getting, get understanding. In all you're getting of wisdom, don't forget about understanding as well. Why is that so important? We have a, we have a, a pressure cooker I, I love to cook with. And um, it was actually a, a gift for my 15-year anniversary at my company. So, Pastor Jake, just three more years to go and you can get your pressure cooker. <laughs> but in this pressure cooker, you put, you put the food in and you hit go and it does its thing. And then, and then when, when, when it's done, when the timer goes off, there's a, there's a little valve that you can push on it to release all the steam. So you push that, that valve and, and the steam escapes. Now, now, they make it safe so you can't do this, but, but what if you could just go up without pushing that valve and just, and just rip the lid off? The thing would explode. Like, you would get burned. There would be food all over the kitchen. It, it might even kill you, depending on the pressure of that situation. How many times have we been in a high-pressure situation and, and anger has gotten the better of us and, and the lid has just flown off? I know I've been there. I know I've been in those situations where, where I haven't used understanding and, and there's been collateral damage. Maybe, maybe not burning, maybe not death certainly, but, but there's been consequences. There's always consequences when we let anger control us. Understanding is the relief valve for anger. When we use understanding, we, we let that pressure escape. You can, you can wait a long time and the pressure will dissipate on its own. But how many times in those, those difficult situations, the, the high-pressure environments, that, that we just can't wait? You know, something just has to come out of it. You have to make the hard choice, the hard decision to let what comes out of you be based on understanding and not anger. Ephesians 4 says, don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. That's the collateral damage. Anytime you give a foothold to the devil, you can, you can bet there's gonna be some collateral damage in your life, in the lives of people around you. But if we can diffuse the situation with understanding, then we avoid the collateral damage. How do we do this? James 1, 19 and 20 says, listening and doing. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to get angry. Watch this, you can underline this. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. Human anger, which tells me that there's a supernatural anger that's all good. You can have a righteous indignation about things. You can have a, a spiritual anger that, that compels you to do the right thing, that compels you to resist the devil, and he will free, flee from you. There's, there's a supernatural anger that, that teaches you to put on the armor of God and go out and take the fight to the enemy. The gates of hell will not prevail against you when you have that righteous indignation. But human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We have to be 
quick to listen, quick to think about things from, from somebody else's perspective. And, and my, my son is in the room today, so he'll hold me to this. He's hearing it. That we can't default to anger when our, our kids make those mistakes. We correct them when they need correction, but not out of a place of human anger, out of place of heavenly love. Who would rather be under the banner of heavenly love than supernatural anger? Come on. I want to give you a key to do this. So there, there's so many other choices as well that we can make in life. We can, we can choose to, to love or hate. We can choose to bless or curse. We can choose to have joy or hang on to bitterness. We can choose to forgive or we can choose to remain in a place of unforgiveness. But this last choice that I want to speak to you about this morning is actually a key to finding many others. It's a key to finding rest, to make the hard choice. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The last choice that, that I want to talk about this morning is a choice that, that all of us have to make, maybe at several points in our lives. We can choose the easy way or the hard way. We can choose to wrestle or we can choose to give up. We can choose to wrestle or we can choose to give up. Genesis 32, this left Jacob all alone in the camp and a man came and wrestled with him until the dawn began to break. When the man saw that he could not win the match, he touched Jacob's hip and wrenched it out of its socket. Then the man said, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob wrestled with God. Jace, Jacob knew that, that this man was not just a normal man. This man was, was a representation of God. Jacob went away from that encounter with a limp. It had an impact, but Jacob went away from that encounter with a blessing from heaven. Come on, you gotta wrestle every day sometimes with God. You gotta wrestle for that blessing. You gotta wrestle in the word to find that word, to help you make the hard choice. You gotta wrestle in prayer. You gotta wrestle with God. Your life may be changed. You may be walking different after it, but you're gonna walk away with the blessing of heaven. If you choose the hard choice to wrestle with God, to find that answer, to believe in faith that he is able to solve all of your problems, if you wrestle, you will be blessed. The author Ryan North said this, giving up's easy. You know what's hard? To believe in your own worth to know you've got something special in you, even if nobody else can see it, even when you can't. God has put something special in each one of us. And I know there's times that it feels hard. Sometimes it feels overwhelming. And you just can't figure out how to win the situation. I wanna encourage you today, in those, in those moments, you don't have to figure out how to win. You just gotta hang on. Just hang on. Make the hard choice to hang on with God. Even when, when nobody else believes you, even when it seems impossible, hang on with God. The hard choices will keep you on the narrow road to life. Making the hard choices will help you detour off Broadway. The last thing that I wanna leave with you today, after making the hard choices, my advice to you is live your best life. Live your best life. 
When you operate in the grace zone, you're free from judgment. When you choose humility, you keep from falling into the pride pit. We've got to continue to fan that ember of faith inside of us. And that will keep us from fear. Fear won't find a home in you. We've got to stay in control. Lean not on our own understanding, but in all our ways acknowledge him. And that anger will be diffused in our life. We have to continue to wrestle with God. We've got to wrestle with God. Make that hard choice. As we come to a close, why don't we all stand to our feet? I'm going to have the team come up, and we're going to sing a song to close. The hard choices will lead to your best life. But I want to encourage you to deal with hard now because it doesn't get any easier with time. Make the hard choices now, and it will lead you to a life of blessing. As the team sings this song, I want to invite you to do something hard. Maybe in your life, you know you, you've struggled in one of these areas. Maybe it's an area of pride, like me, where, where you started off the right way, but then, but then you soon started taking ownership of those victories and not putting honor where honor is due. Maybe there's a, a situation in your life where, where or a circumstance, maybe it's, it's a repetitive thing where you know you kind of always default to anger. Maybe it's with your kids or, or with somebody at your workplace or, or maybe even your spouse. And, and it seems like just so easy to fall into that, that anger mode, that anger mentality where you fly off the handle. Maybe there's some people in here today and, and whenever a trial comes, the first thing that pops into your mind is is, is the worst possible outcome, and you find it hard to, to get that out of your head. Well, today I want to give you the opportunity to choose faith, but I'm going to ask you to do something hard. I'm going to ask you to, to get out of your seat and come down to this altar. The altar is a place where the hard decisions, the hard choices become easy. How do I know that? Because it said it in his word. Take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. We make the hard choice to give something to God. We make the hard choice to, to come down to the altar and say, in my own strength, in my own power, I'm not enough. But I believe that as I give this to you, that I'm taking your yoke upon me, which is light. But not just that, when you take the yoke of Jesus upon you, then you have opportunity for blessing. You have opportunity for overflow. So whatever it is in your life that, that you might be struggling with, any of these, these hard choices in your life right now, as we sing this song, I want you to come to the altar. I want you to lay it at the feet of the cross. I want you to give it all to God. Don't carry any of these things away with you today. Put it all out there for him. Make the decision that when you face hard choices from here on out, you're going to choose the hard way, but you're going to choose the best way. The best way within. Come on, team, can we sing this song? Let's all sing this together and come to the altar. Give it to him. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.